Well, it's so good to have everybody here today, uh, and uh, I just want to begin today with praying for you, and if you're new to our church, we're glad you're here. We have a gift for you out here after uh, the hour today, and I uh, hope you take advantage of that, and, uh, and uh, let's just begin with a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for loving us. Thank you, God, for your grace, your mercy. God, thank you for servants like Jane, who over the last six years have spent so many hours just... Uh, paying the bills of the church and taking care of the financial picture here and and God uh, it is a it is a behind the scenes service and uh, it is so important and God we're just so thankful for uh, Jane's uh, service there Lord we just pray today as we study and open your word you would give us insight into it help us to do what you tell us to do we pray this in Jesus name Amen I love the innocence of children. And I think that God does too. Nowhere is that better seen than in the prayers of children. If you ever want to know that, just ask Miss Erin in our preschool about the prayer time. It is so pure. Every one of you, uh, your beloved pets, have been prayed for many, many times in preschool. I assure you of that. And also of your ailing grandmothers or their ailing grandmothers. They prayed for that. And it is, uh, it's amazing how the kids just share openly and uh, they're so innocent so honest as they pray before the lord several years ago an author wrote a book called children's letters to god and in that book some of these uh, children just wrote some of those honest things about prayer and also about relationships here here's some of the ones i like this individual says dear god if we if we come back as something uh, please don't let me be jennifer horton because i hate her denise uh, she's honest, at least. How about this one? Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill as much if they each had their own rooms. It works for me and my brother, Larry. So keep that in mind. Uh, next. Dear God, thank you for my baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. Joyce. She's happy. She's appreciative, but she's disappointed. Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. Nan. By the way, when were these things written? <laughs> like the names of these, Nan, you know, Larry, they're all, uh, Joyce, you know, they're all from like the 1970s. Anyway, if those are your names, I'm sorry. But, um, dear God, next, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year, Peter. Dear God, please don't come back before the next Cars movie, Stevie. I love Stevie, you know, because he's my name, first of all, and because he loves the Cars movie, and so do I. I like this one. Dear God, I went to this wedding, and they kissed each other right in church. Is that okay? Andrew Smith, youth pastor, uh, Axis Church. Oh, wait, no, Neil, Neil. I remember the first prayer that I ever prayed that, that God answered for me. I was in the second or the third grade, and my sister Sherry was playing piano for a, a performance at the high school of Dracula, and this performance scared scared me to death. It really did, and especially because at the end of it, Dracula was staked in the heart, and and then Renfield at the end, his helper pulled out the stake, and and I remember that Dracula at the end of the play got up and said something to the effect of that now he was going to come after and seek the blood of, of little boys who are about in second and third grade. I don't know, but that's exactly what I heard. And it really, really freaked me out. And I remember going home that night. I did not want to sleep. 
And then over the next period of time, I don't remember now how long, but over the next period of time, I had a recurring dream that Dracula was chasing me in a dark woods over a bridge, and the only way I would ever get away from him was there was a tree with a V, and if I ran through the V, he somehow couldn't figure out how to navigate around that. He couldn't go through, he didn't know how to go around, and that's the only way I got out of it. But that's, that dream scared me so much as a kid. And I remember just very, very innocently the first prayer that I ever remember God just answering with all of my heart. I just prayed, God, please don't let me ever have that bad dream again. And I never did. Now, you may say, well, that's coincidence. But boy, with all of my heart to this day, I still believe that God answered that little kid's prayer. Prayer works. Now, I don't know if you believe it, but I guess that you probably believe that too. But if we believe it, I wonder why we don't pray more. One survey revealed that the average church member spends about four minutes a day in prayer, and the average minister spends about seven minutes a day in prayer. Why is that? Richard Meyer gave three reasons for our lack of prayer in his book called One Anothering. And on this chapter of Pray for One Another, he said first, he said, we don't pray because we don't know how to pray. And that's, that's a valid reason where we think maybe it's a big spiritual thing, a lot of religious words, we just don't know what to say. Second, he said, we don't pray because we don't think prayer accomplishes much. We, we, maybe there's a lot of us who feel that way. We think we want to pray, but we're not sure God's going to answer it anyway, so why should we even do it? Do we really believe that God's hand will move when we pray? And finally, Meyer said, we don't pray because we have a faulty concept of God. Some think that God is like a grumpy old man, kind of a get off my lawn, don't walk on my petunias, you know, you whippersnapper kind of a God. And uh, it's better just to avoid him. Other people think God is kind of like a cosmic vending machine, just ready to spit out whatever order you want. And if it doesn't get it, if it doesn't get it right, you get angry at the at the vending machine. A few weeks ago, you guys know my favorite drink is Canada Dry Ginger Ale. It's very refreshing, by the way. But uh, I have I like Canada Dry Ginger Ale, and I was at Walmart not long ago, and I had my 50 cents because it's 50 cents to vending machines at Walmart. And I put it in there, and I hit the Canada Dry, expecting to have a delicious, refreshing Canada Dry Ginger Ale, and out came an orange drink, a nasty orange drink. And uh, I thought, okay, maybe it was a mistake. Maybe the guy put it in there got it wrong. I happened to have another 50 cents. I put it in there, hit the button again, and guess what? Another nasty orange drink came out. And I thought, okay, maybe, you know, you can see how desperate I was for ginger ale. Maybe he got it wrong and he put the, everything in the wrong row. And so I'll just go to the next row over and maybe that'll have a ginger ale in it. And I hit that button and out came a grape drink, a nasty grape drink. I took all three of these drinks back to the counter, waited in line, took them all back and said, hey, where's my ginger ale? You know, y'all don't have any ginger ale. She said, I'm so sorry, sir, that we got that wrong. We'll fix it later. And they gave me my dollar and 50 back. But what happens when a vending machine doesn't give you what you want? You get angry. You're like, doggone it. I wanted my ginger ale. And when God is seen like a vending machine, we, we kind of kick the dirt. We kind of get upset with God. We say, God, why didn't you do that? And so some people, they don't pray because they think God didn't answer the way that they wanted. But the right view of God is to see him as a heavenly father who is a great parent who loves us, who has all wisdom and discernment. How many of you as parents, you give your kids everything they think they want? If you do, you have a spoiled child. How many of you just give them anything at any time? We don't. Because we use our wisdom and our understanding, and then we come to them and say, 
But we want them to ask. We want them to ask. And sometimes our will will align with their will, and we'll say, yeah, that's a great thing. And the fact that you asked me so kindly, we'll go ahead and let you do that. Now, maybe your challenge with prayer is it's, you're too self-reliant or you're too busy. But as followers of Jesus, we are commanded to pray for one another. Listen to what Paul says. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Or listen to what James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote one time. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. James says prayer is powerful, it's effective. Prayer accomplishes much. So pray for each other so that you might be healed. Prayer is both a vertical relationship with God, but it's also a horizontal relationship with one another. It draws us closer to Him, but it also draws us closer to each other as we pray together. And there is power in praying together. The Apostle Paul was not so... so uh, powerful himself on his own that he didn't need prayer so he requested it Ephesians 6 pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains pray that I may declare it fearlessly or to the Colossians he wrote devote yourselves to prayer be watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Or just 1 Thessalonians 5.25, simply put, pray for us. Paul asked for prayer, he requested prayer, and then he told other people to pray for each other. Ephesians chapter 1, he said, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And then how about what he asked in Philippians chapter 1? I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers. I always pray with joy because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul not only needed prayer, he wanted you to pray for one another, and not only that, he prayed for people as well. And we see this vertical relationship happening. He's praying to God, but he's also inviting other people with him. And so we're in this series called One Another, and we're just talking about praying for one another. And I think one of the best places to see this is in James chapter 5, verse 7 through 9. James chapter 5, 7 through 9. Listen to what he, the, the writer of James says. Be patient then, and by the way, see if this doesn't apply to today, all right? Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the day of the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Uh-oh, verse 9. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you too will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Now, that's the opening to his section on prayer. Think about that. Does that apply to today? I mean, today it seems like everyone is on such high alert today. People are sensitive to every issue. It is very easy for us to, to take what we believe 
and believe that that's the moral high ground and then judge everybody else who doesn't see it the way that we see it on the issue of mask wearing. Somebody might say, did you see that person not wearing their mask? How dare they? That is just not safe. They don't care about people. Or how about that person who's wearing a mask and they say, did you see that person wearing a mask? They're letting their freedom slip away one mask at a time. See, you don't even laugh because it's touching. Or on the issue of race. Did you notice that person is silent on the issue of race? They must be a racist. Silence is violence. Or did you notice that person marching in Black Lives Matter? Do you know what that movement really stands for? Everybody has an opinion these days. Did you see that person eating at Cinnabon? How can they consume those calories and call themselves a Christian? Don't they know that their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Man, it just, there are so many opinions out there. That's why the Bible says, don't let yourself be blown by every wind and cunning. We as a church have to stay focused on doing what God's called us to do, loving our neighbor, praying to God, worshiping. It's okay to have our opinions, but the Bible's very clear. Don't judge lest you be judged. And James says it this way, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So what's the alternative to grumbling? What's the alternative to, to having a bad attitude or to being judgmental or grumbling against one another? It's to pray for one another. Pray for one another It must be our priority. Talking to God and praying for one another should be a priority for each of us who claimed our relationship with God. James 5.13, if you are in trouble, pray. That's a good time to pray. That's when most of us pray. Most of our prayer time is focused on God I need, God I want, God I deserve, God I'm struggling. And so our prayer is God I'm in trouble, God I have a big test. God, I have this problem at work. God, I have this relationship issue. And so because of that, we pray <coughs> when we're in trouble. And we pray for one another when we're in trouble or when they are in trouble. But one of the problems is sometimes when we're in trouble, we don't share that with other people. Anybody have that happen? Months ago, somebody came to Axis and they started to come a couple weeks. And then they were gone for a few weeks. And then they came back. They were upset with me. They said, What's what's wrong? They said, well, I've been in the hospital. You didn't know or, or you didn't come see me. I said, I didn't know. Just let me know. I'd be happy to do that. And, and so I think we just have to share with each other, talk with each other, be open with each other. Hey, this is a challenge I'm having. It's all in the context of relationship. Here's an issue I'm having. But we also should be sensitive. It's, you know, if somebody sees somebody in need, you, you kind of see the deeper need. How's it going today? Hey, one of the questions we ask sometimes is not just how you doing, because you know the answer you're going to get for that. I'm fine. We all are. We all revert to our teenage self of one word answers, right? How are we doing? I'm good. I'm fine. And so we've kind of learned to ask the question, how are you doing really? How are you doing really? And maybe in that you'll get below the surface and through that you'll be able to pray for them, pray in times of trouble. When our staff team meets together and when our overseer team meets together, we Begin each meeting by praying specifically for people that we know are in need. A couple weeks ago at staff meeting, we heard about one of our ladies who has a, has a really significant heart defect. 
And I, I said, well, let's, let's pray together. One of our staff members said, why don't we just call her right now? We'll pray for her right now on the phone. And so we gathered together all around, and we said, hey, we're here to pray for you. Would that be okay? She said, absolutely. And, and she's very private, but in that moment, it became very personal to her. She began to break down and cry, and there was something about that moment of all of us just gathering together in prayer, just praying for one another. There's something that encourages you and builds you up and builds others up. The Bible says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So pray in times of trouble. But James goes on to say, when things are good, pray. If any one of you is happy, let him sing songs of praise. In times of trouble, pray. When things are going well, too, praise. And you think, well, that's, that's not that hard. I can do that. I can pray for somebody who has something good going on in their life. <laughs> but it's harder than you think. Because what if you've been praying to become pregnant and they are now celebrating the fact that they just became pregnant? Are you praising for their joy? They just got a, a new house. They got under contract and you're having trouble paying your apartment payment. But the Bible says mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. True love and friendship means I want things to go well for you, even if I'm struggling. I will not make you feel bad for your blessings. I will rejoice with you. So if you're in trouble, pray. If you are in happy times, rejoice with one another. Celebrate with one another. And then verse 14 says, if any one of you is sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with his head with oil in the name of the Lord. If you're suffering, pray. If you're sick, pray. Invite others to pray with you. Pray for others when they're sick. <clears throat> they're it says anoint their head with oil. There wasn't something magical about that or mystical about that. In fact, in that time, it was often used for medicinal purposes. But it, but it, was, it was a way to say, we're coming together. We're going to pray together in Jesus' name, in unity. And so prayer should be our priority. It should be our priority together, and yet it's difficult. Follow the example of the life of Jesus, and you will see the priority of prayer. He woke up in the morning. He prayed. He, he later in he prayed he prayed for his disciples he taught them how to pray if anybody wants to develop their relationship with christ they pray and they pray with others number two realize there is power when we pray for one another prayer changes things but mostly prayer changes us it allows us to recognize our dependence on god to be reminded that god of the universe is interested in hearing from me I saw a survey not long ago that said 8 out of 10 Americans believe that prayer changes things. Not 8 out of 10 Christian Americans, 8 out of 10 Americans. And, and they believe that. And if you don't believe that, if you've ever been on an airplane that you feel like is having a challenging time, the turbulence is a little bit high, and, and you start to go down a little bit, you watch and see what the people around you start to do. Almost everybody believes in the power of prayer, but not everybody exercises that power. I believe God works through prayer and that we should be praying. And listen to what it says, verse 15. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. That's a tough verse because that's a, it's a confusing verse a lot of times. Christian teachers and leaders have taken that verse, pulled it out of context, and, and they give a very simple answer. They say, well, if you're sick, just pray you're going to get well. And, 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 uh, and if God didn't respond, that means you didn't have enough faith. I want to do a little survey. 
You ever prayed faithfully for someone who you wanted them to get well? You prayed earnestly. You prayed sincerely that they would be healed for some disease or their marriage might be restored or some major issue in their life might be resolved and it didn't happen. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. And when what that happens is we get disappointed with God. We say, well, God didn't do what I wanted. David was a man after God's own heart. And he prayed that his son would be healed, but his son died. The Apostle Paul, one of the most faithful people we see in Scripture, prayed that God would remove an issue in his life, and it didn't happen. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed that the Father would remove the cup of suffering from him. And yet he went through that suffering anyway. Why? It's very popular today for Christian leaders to use this phrase. Just claim it, brother. Just claim it, sister. If you have enough faith, God's going to do it. Now, if you follow that to its logical end, then it just simply goes to a place that isn't really that smart. If you follow it to its logical end, then we, every time we pray for someone who's sick, there, no one will die. No one will ever come to a point of death because we're always praying for healing. If we follow it to its logical end, then it just ends up God just jumping through hoops doing whatever you want. But like I said earlier, God is a faithful follower. Sometimes healing doesn't happen on this side of heaven. Sometimes it only happens on that side of heaven. And God wants to hear your prayer. And sometimes, sometimes when we gather together in prayer, our will aligns with God's will and then power is released. And God does something miraculous and special. It doesn't happen every time. It's not because you're not faithful. It is only because for whatever reason, God had a different plan than what we did. And so it's difficult, and yet we understand this verse. We put this verse up next to every other verse in the Bible. We understand people die. We understand people get sick. But I love how the fact that James elevated this, and he, he rose it not just from physical illness, but to spiritual illness. And he said, if you want to be forgiven, you can be forgiven. And, and I just love that because the best thing, that any of us will ever receive is forgiveness of our sins. The best thing we will ever receive is Jesus Christ giving his very best for us. And so God wants to hear our faithful prayers. He wants us to pray before him. He wants us to talk to him. And he wants us to, to try to unite with his will. And the Bible says that when we do that, that God so often comes alongside of us and answers that prayer, it does something miraculous. But I find it interesting that sometimes in, even in Scripture, because there were those who doubted prayer. You remember the story, one of my favorite stories in the Scripture, is when uh, Peter had been arrested in the book of Acts, and all the believers were in a house, and they were praying together, praying, praying, praying that Peter would be released from prison. And, and so this is such an against-all-odds kind of story, the way God likes to work. Here are the people of God. They're in a house. They're praying, oh, God. Let Peter please be released from prison. In the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord came into the prison, woke Peter up, and said, it's time for us to go. Get dressed. We're getting out of here. 
And that's what happened. His chains fell off. He got dressed. He walks out with the angel. The doors open as they go. They get out and they go a block together. Peter's like, what just happened? Maybe this is a dream. They walk a block together. The angel is gone and Peter is out of prison. And he suddenly realizes this is not a dream at all. Where does he go but to the house of the people who have been praying for him that he would be released from prison? And in one of those kind of humorous moments of Scripture, I love the fact that Peter knocks on the door. Some girl comes to the door, looks at him, notices him, goes, hey, and then kind of like, or I mean, she hears him through the door. And, and Peter's like, hey, it's me, Peter. And then she freaks out. She runs back into the house and says to everybody, hey, 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 listen, Peter's at the door. They're like, no, he's not. No, he's not. Just stop. Just stop. And so here people are in the house praying that Peter would be released from prison, and Peter the whole while is staying right outside the door. It's really, really ironic when we are praying for something to happen, and then it happens, and we're surprised that it actually happened. And Peter knocks on the door and then comes in, and everyone celebrates with one another. Peter came to the house, was released, because the prayers of the people aligned with the will of God, and God did something incredible. There is power in prayer. And so I want to encourage you, pray for one another. Look below the surface at their needs. Have conversation with each other. Pray for one another. Pray for their needs. Don't grumble against one another. And realize that you don't have to be perfect to pray for one another. Now, James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And when you walk in obedience, God does respond. But then he uses an illustration. James chapter 5, verse 17 says Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Elijah was a human being just like we are. But he prayed earnestly. Elijah wasn't perfect. Elijah was just a human being, but he prayed earnestly. And so I just want to ask you for a moment. When was the last time that you just prayed earnestly for someone and for God to do something in their life? When was the last time that you prayed that that individual would be healed? When was the last time that you prayed that that individual would endure some spiritual conflict in their life? When was the last time that you prayed earnestly that that individual would be restored in their relationship? When was the last time that you prayed? Remember the command, pray for one another, because God does miraculous things in prayer. I love the story of, of the missionary from Zaire, Dr. Helen, and on one occasion, a mother giving birth died when she was giving birth to a premature baby at her mission, and there was no incubator, so they tried to keep the baby alive with a defective hot water bottle. The children of the community were asked to pray, and one little girl prayed, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late, because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, send a baby doll for her baby sister so that she won't feel so lonely. Then, that afternoon, a large package came from England. And the children watched eagerly as the package was open. Everybody was delighted to find that indeed there was a hot water bottle under some clothing. And immediately the girl who prayed so earnestly started to dig deeper in the box, exclaiming, if God sent a water bottle, then he must surely have sent a doll as well. And indeed, she was right. I, I love that story told by the missionary 
because it tells the power of the prayer. And I love it because it tells the power of the prayer of just the innocence of a child who believes that God will actually do what what we ask and what we're praying for when it aligns with his will. I, I just pray today that all of us would have that kind of boldness, that kind of innocence when it comes to prayer. Don't be so jaded or cynical when it comes because God hasn't answered everything your way doesn't mean you shouldn't continue to pray seek his will seek his face pray to god will we pray boldly in a way that only god can get it done and only god can receive the glory pray boldly pray in faith prayer is ultimately not getting our will done in heaven but it is getting god's will done on earth that's why we pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God, we give you thanks today for just the power of prayer. That when we unite together, God, when we unite together in prayer, there is something special that happens that unites our hearts with your hearts. It aligns our will with your will. And God, in the middle of that, we are trusting and believing, and we know that you will do what is best for your children. And so God, we trust that and we believe that. And for those, God, today who have some need, an issue, challenge that they're going through today, God, I pray that they would not only pray to you about that, but that they would seek their Christian friends. They would have people around them, gathering around them, praying for them, praying for them as well. God, help us to be humble to receive that prayer and help us to receive it uh, in the right attitude, the right heart. God, thank you for moments like that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you were uh, here a couple years ago. Uh, Some of you were not. When uh, my sister, who was on our staff and played piano here, uh, was Uh, passing away she was only 56 years old and uh, I'm not much of a crier but um, but that day for whatever reason as I was speaking I uh, was talking about Jesus wept ironically was the message and uh, I I sort of you know when had a had a moment that I've never experienced before you know that moment when the military comes to your door and you have a military child and the family reacts by collapsing or Perhaps someone's been told uh, out of surgery your mother didn't make it, and then you kind of collapse. I've never had anything like that happen in my life, but on stage as I was preaching, I, I had that happen. My knees buckled as I was talking about Sherry, and she was actively dying, and I didn't faint. I just sort of, my knees just buckled. Nobody in the church panicked. Nobody overreacted. I was internally so frustrated with myself, like, how could I let that happen? Like, what? How did I, how did I like, you know, and, and suddenly some people from the church just started to quietly come up and just started to put their hands on my shoulders or on my arms and just started to pray out loud. It was such a humbling moment. It was not a moment that I would have planned. But after it was over, I confessed to a few people, oh, you know, that I can't believe I let myself do that. And Mike Maggart from our church said, I mean, I was talking about Jesus wept that day. He's like, Stephen, if Jesus can weep, why couldn't you? And then 
You just need to be open and available to have people pray for you. Now, that story was not in my notes today, but I hope that story encourages some of you all who have what I have, which is I'd rather kind of deal with my stuff on my own. Maybe could I encourage you today to look for an opportunity to just share with somebody, here's something going on in my life, here's something happening. Be humble enough to receive when somebody extends that hand of mercy and grace and love to you and says, I want to pray for you right where you are today. Receive that. Receive it. And some of you today, you might need that touch from somebody, and I want to encourage you to reach out. Reach out and extend that. And others, be available and ready, even if you don't know how, to just simply offer and extend a small prayer. God, I pray for my friend. I pray for my spouse. God, I pray for so-and-so that you would give them power and that you would help them endure whatever the challenge is, and that you would give them your strength, God. Your words don't have to be magical. God knows your heart. But just sincerely come before the Lord and just offer that prayer in faith. And I believe that God's going to do something great in that moment. Pray for one another.